Hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Anna Mae Donaldson, and joining me today is... Peter Salmon. I hope everyone's doing well up in old G-Town Guelph, <laughs> the old 519. The old 519, which is... Yeah, my nine, uh, I hope my nine reps are doing good. Also, well, I was going to say it's also the two two six. Oh, depending yeah, on whatever. Yeah. D- depending on how you got your phone number. So, I mean, it would be nice if we could just say we're the nine, and then we can have a cool nickname. But I mean, also, uh, it's worth pointing out that um, anywhere from Rockwood to London, <laughs> I think, can be five one nine. Oh, I, 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 I totally, I totally knew that. Uh, <laughs> do you do you have an issue with Rockwood or London, Adam? <laughs> No, I'm just saying, like, it's, you know, you can't really put a pin in the map and call it the nine because it's a, that's a pretty big map. I'm just, wow, that, that went off track. Anyway. Yes. All right. And Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be the new Space Age family movie, Fantasy, Apollo 10 and a half, a Space Age childhood which you can now stream on Netflix. That's going to be in the back half of the show since we're talking about um, going to the moon with the movie this week. We thought it might be fun to talk about other movies that uh, go to the moon. Uh, There are uh, quite a few of them, and uh, some of them are of the documentary variety, usually about the... um, the moon landings between 1969 and 1972, the 12, was it 12? No, it wasn't as many as 12 moon missions. It was 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, so seven moon missions. One of them actually didn't land because there was a whole, (laughs) that may come up in conversation shortly, but uh, yeah. So going to the moon has long been a popular subject of documentary fantasy and docudrama as we will, cover later with Apollo 10 and a half, which kind of is all three. Um, but first we're going to talk about other moon movies. So Peter, why don't you begin us with uh, your first of three moon movie picks? Okay. So uh, number three for me, the, the bronze film, it's just, a, <laughs> that's all it is. Um, I, I feel bad. Well, I don't, I, it, it, there's an element of it. One of the actors and it, it's a little dated. Mm-hmm. But uh, I picked Duncan Jones's 2009 film, Moon. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I remember I watched it when I came out, um, when it first came out back in the day. And uh, it's, yeah, it's great. It's beautiful. It's, uh, I think looking back, maybe a little pretentious, but I was more hipstery. So it was, it was cool. You know, I, I enjoyed it. Um, but it's dated because Kevin Spacey is in it as a uh, Gertie. So it's just his voice, but just um, his voice, yeah. it's, it's like a bug's life. He's still, he's still there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just thought it was really good. I, I, I'm a huge Sam Rockwell fan and, mm-hmm. uh, he's great in it. There's one of him. And then near the end, there's, there's two of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's twice as, twice as fun. It's yeah. Doppelganger. I uh, I also just doppelganger all around is a very uh, interesting concept. So it's always nice seeing that uh, portrayed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought the ending was really cool as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would say uh, I would say Moon. I also uh, it 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 makes me look at David Bowie's son in more of a positive light because after Moon, his, his films aren't uh, 
aren't quite at that caliber. So it, it's fun to just kind of focus on that film, you know, not the, not, not further ones like Warcraft or something. So, yeah, I like rewatching it just to remind myself that David Bowie's son did have some success. He had a pinch. That is interesting. Come to think of it, like, cause that was such a strong debut yeah that's what i mean i actually didn't know it was david bowie's son until uh until after um because it was something it was a high, high quality in itself and i just heard about it right so mm-hmm. that's that's why he's his own man duncan jones i i just you know i uh it, it's hard looking at the films afterwards so i i usually just go back to it yeah source code has its moments although it it has a studio ending written all over it and yeah warcraft because i was never a big world of warcrafter um so watching that movie it felt <laughs> like i was watching someone play world of warcraft um yeah which- well, yeah yeah i've imagined them play a world of warcraft i did think a lot of just about the south park episode the whole time mm-hmm. um and yeah, I think the main disappointment, I wasn't expecting much with it when it comes to reviews, but I was expecting more graphically and it was, mm. it was very disappointing. It's kind of like Gemini Man. One of the only aspects of it that would have been enjoyable, the visuals were mm. bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're talking more about Warcraft, but I want to say that <laughs> Duncan Jones, who made that, did make a really great film. At least when I first viewed it, I loved it. Uh, moon. And yeah. obviously deals with uh, the moon. Mm-hmm. It was part of like a period of the like 2007, 2008, where there were a lot of like interesting hard sci-fi movies like Danny Boyle's Sunshine, too. That was. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. More uh, ones of more an artiste kind of nature, not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, action like mm-hmm. uh, Aliens or something more like that. Avatar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my first pick is it actually is a, actually a documentary. Uh, it is called Apollo 11. And it is about the Apollo 11. It was released on the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 launch. I should say it was released that year. It was uh, screened at Sundance and then had a uh, theatrical release. It's uh, produced and directed and edited by Todd Douglas Miller. And he basically took a bunch of archival footage of uh, that NASA shot. uh, Some of it never before seen. As you can imagine, it being it, it being a once in a lifetime historical event, there were cameras everywhere. Mm-hmm. So um, he took all this footage um, and, and laid it out in chronological order. So it's 90 minutes. So it's actually pretty tightly edited too. That starts with a um, great shot of the, this tram, this giant platform um, moving the rocket into place. Cause of course they would build the rocket and then move it out to the launch pad. Um, and they had like this giant, uh, basically it looks like a giant tank. It's, it's a giant counter on tank wheels. Um, moved the, the rocket very slowly from the uh, building where they put together the rocket down the... What, what had to have been at least like a couple of miles, several miles to the launch pad. Films the takeoff, films the reaction in the crowds, like the people came out and... Uh, you know, miles around and to, to watch the, the moon launch. Um, obviously, firsthand footage from the module itself and uh, footage from the moon and then landing safely back on Earth. Uh, the astronauts being picked up by the USS Hornet in 
I want to say the Pacific Ocean where they they landed. But I mean, it's you know, it, it's quite the journey. Ninety minutes. Uh, it's very tight. Um, but you really get it, it is almost like the next best thing to being there. And of course, the the footage is lovingly restored. It's beautiful. Um, and interestingly, there's no talking head stuff, although there is Walter Cronkite's news coverage, which kind of is a narration, but not really. It's 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 refreshingly free of um, sort of any rubbernecking and looking backwards and color commentary, which um, I enjoy. You're just allowed to let it happen. So um, Apollo 11 is on Netflix, so um, it, was, it popped up right next to uh, 10 and a half. Yeah, and that's I, I actually watched Apollo ten and a half, and then I watched Apollo eleven. And, <laughs> um, it's a nice double bill. It's a nice double yeah, bill. If you're feel, yeah, yeah. If you're interested in the in the moon, yeah, space travel. Mm-hmm. All right, so Peter, why don't you give us your number two pick? Okay, so I picked as number two um, a trip to the moon. Mm-hmm. I. Uh, saw it back my dad was teaching it and i saw it back when i was like i don't know like five and uh i don't know it just really struck out to me it was really fun um and i think it was like the first time that i also learned that some films don't have color which is very interesting but uh (laughs) a trip to the moon all around i think is just absolutely especially when you know what it was made 1902 its visuals are are absolutely stunning and uh most importantly because there's already been some with stunning visuals it deals with the imperialist system and how flawed it is Mm -hmm. it deals with the issues of that and consumerism and it just deals with a lot of topics a lot of social political ones and that obviously 1902 was not was not uh common so I, that's something that's a real i think important standout from it and um it's just it's really beautiful i remember being um and like you know i was born in the 90s there was already amazing visual works i had seen but uh when you first go up and see the moon with a little bullet in its eye it's i don't know it's just it's beautiful i loved it <laughs> it, uh, I, it it came it would pop up every once in a while and um in some dreams i uh it was kind of scary but but cool at the same time um so it has been a while since i watched it but it, it just really uh, a huge part of my childhood and my first introduction to more than what they're showing you know in the big screen um and in particular we you know we just watched something apollo 10 and a half that Mm. is about landing on the moon and this is 1902 it's you know it's over half a decade or sorry it's over half a century prior to that and and the reaction of people uh in france is very on par with um Mm. uh in in the uh what happened in in apollo 11 and uh, what's represented in 10 and a half Mm-hmm. so yeah and that goes along with too how it brought up some social elements even though it's a silent film which was really uh, a real grand step forward in 1902 so yeah number two 1902's a trip to the moon and i just looked it up to see if like there was an official like i mean it's 15 minutes long which in 1902 was like making a three hour long Batman movie. But yeah, I think when it first came out, it was 18 because it was just 12, 12 frame per second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think it has an official release anywhere, but it's easy enough to find on YouTube. Um, 
the thing I find interesting about a trip to the moon is uh, number one, uh, you met, you did talk about, you know, watching it in the nineties. Um, of course, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people got interested in it after the smashing pumpkins video. Um, oh, I didn't even know, which, I don't, yeah, I don't know about that tonight, tonight, which is essentially a trip to the moon uh, as a smashing pumpkins video. Um, and I it, watch that. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny, um, but then also it's been dramatized the the story of uh, George Millais um, in Hugo, which I mean it's not necessarily about a trip to the moon, um, but it, it's about the the filmmaker who made a trip to the moon, and uh, and then the last episode of From the Earth to the Moon, the Tom Hanks miniseries, was about ma- the making of uh, a trip to the moon. Okay, I was not. Oh, I've got. Uh... My list of media to watch has risen exceptionally. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it, it's it it stars Tom Hanks as Malays. So, um, all right, so it's like it's funny that that's how that miniseries, which is uh, twelve episodes, just an exhaustive recap of the Apollo program, um, in which Apollo Eleven is one episode. I think it's one just one episode where that's covered, but then that's the 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 coda to that miniseries is is to take that story um and and incorporate it into the the real life moon journey is was an interesting choice my number two is something entirely different um (laughs) it is apollo 18 which is a found footage movie that came out about five years ago and it's about uh the mysterious top secret apollo 18 trip for anybody who maybe not uh, up on their space history the last trip to the moon was apollo 17 um but the this found footage movie posits that apollo 18 went to the moon in secret um to plant some listening equipment uh, that could spy on america's enemies except that's not what happened and apollo 18 uh, is the secret footage of what ended up being an alien encounter on the moon and how the astronauts met perhaps a dastardly of fate, not entirely outside of the control of the government. Perhaps they were sent to the moon so they could have an alien encounter. Um, if you think this sounds silly, you are correct. It is a profoundly <laughs> silly film. Um, it is low budget too. It is found footage, um, but a lot of the moon stuff is pretty good. Um, it was shot in Vancouver, so I'm not sure where exactly in Vancouver they replicated the moon. If it was a soundstage or if they went outside somewhere. Um, what I appreciate that is it's a it's a moon landing conspiracy theory that still posits we went there, um, which I like because nothing I I've, like I do. In so much as I find conspiracy, conspiracy theories interesting, I have a sort of visceral dislike of the idea that people fake the moon landing. That's great. <laughs> this great human achievement was was fake. I just uh, there's something about that I find distasteful. But at least this is a moon conspiracy. I can get behind that. Uh, the United States sent men to the moon to be killed by aliens for reasons. Um, it's a good time. And again, it's 90 minutes in and out. Um, and it's, you know, that, that's, you know, sometimes the, the least you can ask of a good, scary found footage movie and, uh, mission accomplished. So, uh, Apollo 18. 
yeah i heard about that one it's uh it seems like uh, a lot of fun i find it uh actually no that was your second choice so mm-hmm. never mind i uh, thought it was your third but um <laughs> my third choice very different than my first two uh mm-hmm. and absolutely my favorite uh austin powers the spy <laughs> who she egged me uh the moon is uh, a huge part of it it's uh where they're building the laser and it's you know we're gonna we're gonna have the laser shoot from the moon and kill your earth and it's you know it's a huge part of it and uh yeah it's it's like the main focus of it and i obviously love austin powers the spy who shagged me because it's you know it's an austin powers film and a really great sequel and it's again an austin powers film i'm gonna, I'm gonna like it right it's austin powers mm-hmm. uh yeah and uh i think the reason it's probably my favorite of the austin powers is because actually i don't know if i could say the character's name but it's the introduction to the fat uh, Scottish individual, fat bastard. Uh, yeah. Okay, I can't say it's his title. Yeah. It, yeah, it's it's the fat bastard, and I loved him. I remember as a kid, I thought he was, uh, I thought he was very, very, very funny, <laughs> and uh, I also I was, um, I still am, you know, above, above the average. But as a kid, I was, uh, well above the average. So I, I enjoyed uh, looking at that in more of a comedic way through uh, the fat bastard. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the the fat bastard helped me feel better feel more like uh me you made me realize that, that I, i'm myself and that's a beautiful thing mm. so thank you fat bastard and uh <laughs> thank you austin powers um <laughs> you know what's funny is that the spy who shagged me is only a little more ludicrous than moonraker yeah, um yeah. <laughs> the james also, bond uh, I didn't. I didn't know until right now, but uh, it was nominated for an Academy Award, best was makeup. It? Yeah, best makeup. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll buy that. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, like um, <laughs> Bad Grandpa, Jackass got nominated for that sort of thing. The uh, the Oscars actually go when it comes to the smaller uh, categories. They'll uh, mm. you know they'll they'll ignore reviews, which I really do uh, respect. <laughs> Yes, it's, it's it's well known that the best makeup category is the Redeemer. Uh, Suicide Squad is a, an Academy Award winning film because of the makeup category. So uh, weird. Yeah. So. I take back maybe my comment about that being a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, maybe we'll reserve those comments. Um, <laughs> my number three also has the moon as a plot point is not necessarily about going to the moon it is ad astra which came out just a few years ago it is um a very hard sci-fi film the film centers on brad pitt as roy mcbride it's not made explicitly clear but i think he is uh an officer in space force which is still a thing and uh, <laughs> He's sent on a dangerous mission to um, the edge of the solar system so that he can hopefully find out what his father, who is presumed lost uh, on this mission to uh, get out beyond Neptune so that they can uh, scan for extraterrestrial life. There's a threat to the solar system because of this. Along the way, it requires him to take a trip from Earth to the moon to Mars. And there's a whole section on the moon where he arrives with Donald Sutherland on the moon and it's this beautiful military facility. They have advertising everywhere because the moon is a destination now. And uh, they uh, have to travel from one part of the moon to the other. 
um, which is dangerous. You discover that there are pirates on the moon. So Futurama <laughs> predicted it again. Um, how, how are the pirates like presented in it? Are they like like classic pirates or more kind of like Somalia? Do, like, do, do you current... mean like this flag means death or? Yeah, yeah. Or like Captain Phillips kind of thing. No, no. It's um, you don't really get to know like what the pirates are pirating about. Mm. But um, there is a whole sequence where uh, McBride and uh, I can't remember the name of the Donald Sutherland character, but they're they're on the moon rover. They have an escort and then you see the pirates basically come out over the craters and start attacking them and of course it's like no other action scene because it's the moon so gravity is different and you're in the vacuum of space it is a wild action sequence because it's taking the physics so seriously but also because it's um it's a lot of point of view so you're seeing a lot of the action through the brad pitt brad pitt's character space helmet so Oh, okay, that's a, yeah, that seems interesting. So yeah, you know, there's if you're hearing sound, it's muffled because presumably you're hearing it through their helmets and their the, the vibrations and things because you know there's no sound okay. in space. So it's tenant it's, tenant style sort of thing. Yeah, it's really interesting, and um, it ends with like launching off a crater um, and then floating through space because again, gravity is no object. It's it's an incredible sequence. I mean, and it's a movie filled with incredible sequence. I feel like Ad Astra is one of these movies that kind of came and went too soon. I don't think it's a necessarily a great movie, but it is a fascinating movie in terms of how it turns the wonders of space travel into something that can occasionally be scary, but also something that is most of the time mundane. Um, if it wasn't for there is a whole sequence with like a what is essentially a ravenous space baboon, but um... yeah, see that should have been presented <laughs> more in the uh, commercials because like I remember just kind of seeing the posters and everything and viewing it more as like what was the uh, the Whiplash directors like the first man or whatever on the movie. I thought it was just yes. more like a biopic of of some astronaut. So Damien Chazelle, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that... this actually has me very very intrigued. <laughs> Yeah, Ad Astra is worth going back. It's, I think it's I think it's on Disney Plus, so it's really easy to find. Um, but yeah, that movie was sold kind of bizarrely with these like posters with Brad Pitt's face and an astronaut outfit on it, like it, like it's his headshot from NASA. But um, yeah, there's a lot of really great sequences in that movie. The Moon one by far, and it, there is also like a 15 minute YouTube video um, that takes you behind the scenes and shows you how they. Uh, made an action sequence on the moon and i mean there is digital trickery obviously but uh it's pretty seamless it, it's it's really great um filmmaking um on the part of james gray the director so it is uh well worth checking out i mean stay c- come for the moon sequence stay for a pretty harrowing emotional journey um but yeah, at Astra, it's um, it's well, it's 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 well worth the trip to the moon, as it were. Anyway, <clears throat> I uh, I'm glad we were able to get through this segment without uh, having to resort to uh, a certain Transformers movie, which <laughs> I. I admit I, I kind of enjoy because it's just so ludicrous. But uh, I, I, I never saw any of the Transformers post um, uh, Shia LaBeouf. 
Well, it was the last Shia LaBeouf one. It was the last full Shia LaBeouf one. Oh, I, I okay. I don't remember. So you didn't even see. I all think the that Shia means LaBeouf it was ones. it was so great that that it shocked <laughs> me. It shocked me to the point of of forgetfulness. It's the the shock of how great it was just blew up my memories of it. So, well, fair enough. We'll 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 take that as an endorsement. Uh, whether or not we endorse Apollo Ten and a Half <laughs> is going to be a good question that we're going to answer after the break. You are listening to End Credits here on CFRU ninety three point three FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. Life back then. It was a great time and place to be a kid. Living in the Houston area in the late 60s and especially near NASA was like being where science fiction was coming to life. The optimistic technological future was now, and we were at the absolute center of everything new and better. Leading the way was, of course, the space program. The space center was relocated to the outskirts of town in 1962. That same year, Houston started to build the world's first domed stadium, the eighth wonder of the world, the Astrodome. When they did the groundbreaking, instead of taking ceremonial digs in the earth with shovels, all the officials shot Colt 45 pistols into the ground instead. And that was a clip from Apollo 10 and a half, a space age childhood. It is the new film from writer director Richard Linkletter. And it stars Milo Coy, Glenn Powell, Zachary Levi, Lee Eddy, Bill Wise, and Jack Black. So um, for people who may not know, Richard Linkletter, a very accomplished filmmaker, uh, well-known for Dazed and Confused, Slacker, Boyhood, the Before Trilogy, uh, somewhat... Well, actually, he's probably still well-known for his uh, animated films. So that's Waking Life and A Scanner Darkly. He has not ventured too far out into this realm for a while. So it's uh, actually almost 16 years. So it's nice to, to he's um, playing with the rotoscoping again. But, Peter, you are the one who went into the Netflix and picked this out of the ether. And um, I actually... I had heard of Apollo 10 and a half. I did not know though, that it was a Richard Linkletter film, which I think is a real (laughs) letdown of the Netflix marketing machine. If such a thing even exists, because I'm pretty sure they just park stuff on there at times. But since you uh, drew it out of the hat, Peter, why don't you kick us off by talking about uh, why you wanted to go with Apollo 10 and a half? Well, what what disappointed you about uh, 
that like Richard Linklater is going in that kind of direction with Netflix or no, no, I wasn't disappointed at all. What I'm disappointed in is that Netflix apparently just drops new, new Richard Linklater films and don't, and doesn't tell anyone. Oh, that's okay. Absolutely. That's what really bugged me. It's uh, the only reason I heard about it is because I love Richard Linklater and I check his Wikipedia every once in a while. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. No hype at all for it. And uh you know, even like leave out the Richard Linkletter part, critical acclaim director. Um, Jack Black's also just really popular and famous. So I, I really think, like you said, it was just a, a Netflix mistake. They're really just, yeah, lazy, a lazy drop of it. Um, but going off of that, I think it's remarkable. I loved it. Absolutely. Um, I'm not like a huge advocate for uh, sp- like space travel. Like I don't love, I don't love that sort of thing. Um, or like the, the kind of mindset towards it being a, a great choice in the 60s or, you know, Mars as a focus now or, or any of that jazz. I don't, space is, you know, I, I'm an Earth man. I'm not too interested in, <laughs> in past uh, our ozone layer. But, you know, I, I as a reviewer, I push that aside and it's, it's a phenomenal film. Um, I really enjoyed the animation. I think anybody who enjoyed Waking Life or... Um, uh, scanner darkly um they would absolutely adore this it's the same kind of animation um you know a lot of uh live action footage but with um some drawing over top or at least you know made to uh, look like that and it is a well one thing i did like about it uh visually in comparison to his others like a scanner darkly or waking life is um it was all a pretty realistic look at life. Everything was still natural. It wasn't in you know a lucid dream world where the animation is quite surreal. And it was a very great portrayal of you know I think Texas where the uh, NASA is held. Um, and the voice acting was uh, outstanding. Jack Black, perfect narrator. And uh, I enjoyed the the casting. You know, it was just uh, voice work, but uh, Bill Wise is a regular, and uh, nobody really knows him. But he's he's in like every Richard Linklater mm-hmm. as uh, he's the he's the bad uncle in Boyhood, and a voice in a lot of others. And um, I personally, he's like uh, a real greasy dad in iZombie, the CW show. So I always <laughs> it's I know him in that, and then I'll see him in like a Richard Linklater, you know, kind of art film or at least you know our tour directed one and it's 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 very interesting but he was uh, he was really great at the dad and i really like i'm in history uh, as you know adam was and i enjoy social history and this was a great look at um the rise of suburban life you know and say what you mm. want about that it's uh it's it's a fun uh, a fun piece of history with all the um media involved and of course what this whole film's about airplanes so say what you want about the bourgeois it was a a good look at uh, something that is important to look at Mm -hmm. yeah too much narration that's the one uh, (laughs) that was i think my most uh negative yeah that's my most negative comment towards that i love jack black but there was a there was a whole lot of narration there could have been more just you know silent looks at the animation of the kids life but that's the only real flaw i could think of I don't know. I think I disagree. I'm usually the one to rant and rave about the voiceover, but the voiceover didn't bother me. And I don't know if it's because um, it was Jack Black, but I think it's just the nature of the film that it, it is this sort of uh, stream of consciousness. That's uh, true. That's true. It was it was supposed to be a real vent of the child. So that's that's fair. Yeah. So 
it, you know, you get this introduction where um, Stanley is recruited to uh, fly a secret moon mission for NASA in advance of Apollo 11 because they built uh, a capsule that was kid size and not adult size. Um, which is, yeah, it's hilarious because that's exactly something a kid would come up with. Yeah. Um, the best part of that scene is like when they're talking about his own math abilities, um, which and then then they talk about how they didn't size the capsule right, which is ludicrously um, self-deprecating. But yeah, and then it spins off into this like, hey, this is what living in suburban Houston was like in the 1960s. Um, it's interesting because I've I've heard the expression like okay boomer like yeah everything was better back in the 50s and 60s but this was this is this is not that it could have very easily slid into that but um this is kind of like a clear-eyed look back and there's there's a whole section about how cheap life was you know going to the beach and having to you know wipe off oil guck off your feet because there was an oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico every other week and nobody seemed to notice or care. Um, the whole thing about the too much chlorine in the pool and, you know, corporal punishment and how basically all the parents seem to have like a backroom deal where they could abuse each other's kids. Yeah. Um, like all of that is just, just that, like, it's fascinating because that's not something you would get at uh, something like the wonder years or people like more likely played for laughs on the one where you're like hey remember when you like you could beat your like i remember back in the day your parents could beat your kids yuckety yuck 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 that's um that's not how it's played in this movie and the other part of it that's played that that's really interesting too is that in a movie that's you know venerating this idea of universal camaraderie in the the wake of the the moon landing it makes room for the voices who were um, sort of the Peter Salmons of their time who were like, well, you know, it 4% of NASA's employees are black. Um, y- you know, the, the idea of like, well, for all the money we're spending on sending people to the moon so, so we can stick it to the Soviets, you know, how many schools could we b- be building? How many f- families could we be feeding? And it's, it's interesting yeah. in the midst of all that. Um, and his uh, the one daughter, uh, right. his like oldest daughter, was all on board with that. I and I since the very beginning when she makes the comment about a hippie, she like the sees hippies, hippie yeah. for the first time. The mom hates it, and she's like, "I like him. He looks cool. He looks like you know my scene." And uh, I related to her definitely the whole film, <laughs> and it was it was cool. Yeah, it wasn't just a singular look at uh, someone's point of view. Um, it well actually it was, but luckily the narrator, you know Jack Black, the main character. Um, cared enough about his family and watched enough tv to like you said give us a more broad look at this era i I loved the um the tv scene where you see um you know social activists in new york you know black individuals and other people um describing exactly what you said where the the taxes is going to the uh to the wrong thing towards nasa and that that's something i agree with although this film also made me understand i think further why so many people loved it well, there's a lot of things going on there. And number one is apparently this was like part of the coverage at the time. Um, I can't imagine if something like the Mars landing were to happen, if they would bring on people who would say, like, you know what, maybe we're pissing away money in the middle of, you know, this momentous human event. Um, 
you know, I, I find that interesting because that's a that's a aspect of the media we don't really touch on no. at the time. We sort of see the clips of Cronkite celebrating the moon landing, but we don't see like the hour. I mean, also keeping in mind too, the they land on the moon, and then there are several hours when you're waiting for them to actually go get out and walk on the moon too. Well, I want to check. I, I I'm curious if that is what it was like. In real life, in which case I was not aware of that I just assumed they land and they step out, right? But that made it look uh, no, it, no, it that, it... that actually happened. Like it, it oh, divorced hours. Oh, yeah, no, but I mean because they had to to put on the suits and it, you know they were living in that small lander, um, and you know you had to that suit was not easy to put on, um, especially in that small space. And uh, you had to make sure that suit was on perfectly because there was sort of like no margin of error. So no, that's a, I, I was curious about that too, but no, that is a real thing. They didn't just land on the moon, get out and walk around. Yeah. Like, so I actually, uh, from this film, it's not a doc, it's fictional, but I actually then have learned about the 1969 moon landing, which is cool. It shows too that, you know, Richard Linkletter, he's very devoted to it mm-hmm. and did some good research. Mm-hmm. But I did like that scene that you were talking about where they they're on the college campus and like, is that a hippie? It was like, well, mm-hmm. it's, no, his hair's not long enough. It's it's kind of I mean, it, it's I'm not sure if it was Linkletter's intent, but it also but it kind of like reminds me of, you know, I'm sure in the 60s, there were a lot of people throwing around the word hippie for somebody who they didn't like. Um, pretty much how oh, some yeah. people throw around the word communist, like, oh, you're a communist, you're a socialist, without kind of having any idea. Like, someone who has, if you can, you know, if, if someone's hair reaches a point of no return, they are then a hit. Or if they're wearing bell bottoms, as the mother concludes, oh, he's wearing bell bottoms. Oh, that, that's, yep, that's a hippie then. <laughs> it's, it's, it's sort of fascinating to sort of see those parallels between then and now, too. We can just throw around words like hippie or socialist and, it means what we think it means. Yeah. Well, and also just um, not even just to portray the uh, hippie culture, although, mm. you know, it was a huge part of it. The music in this was, uh, was yeah, outstanding. The music. Yeah. The it was, um, I remember, I don't I think it was a fight, but we talked about the Guardians of the Galaxy the one time and I didn't like its soundtrack because mm-hmm. it was a lot of seventies and I thought it was, you know, hits you've heard before everybody has. Um, but I, I guess I just look more into it. I, I just listen to maybe a higher average of, you know, 60s and 70s. But this one, there's a lot I hadn't heard. And there's some real good classics played throughout. And uh, for me, it's uh, I'm a huge Donovan fan. And there was a lot of there was a lot of Donovan throughout, which is uh, which is really great. Um yeah, Hurdy Gurdy Man uh, was one of the intro ones, and it's yeah, it's a Donovan. Um, so yeah, the soundtrack's great, good representation of uh, the era, the sixties, you know. Um, and because it's not just hippie like Donovan, there there's a good amount of uh, the monkeys on it too. I guess they're kind of they're more like pop, right? But I guess people call yeah. call them hippies. But uh, yeah, there's them too. And then later there's uh, when it's closer to the seventies, there's some. I'm looking here. There's some uh, Pink Floyd. I'm not a huge Pink Floyd fan, but I know a lot of people. That's their kind of classic rock, not uh, more of the pop that I'm a fan of. So just spread throughout, you know, a wide amount, not just hippie genre, uh, music all around. Phenomenal in this. Yeah, I I did like that. Um, I like any kind of soundtrack that doesn't, you know, make you. Uh, 
that I, like, I guess doesn't pick the hits. I mean, certainly there were hits and, you know, the monkeys uh, were kind of like prime examples of that pretty much for, for a period of like a year and a half, anything the monkeys put out was yeah. dead, but um, well, the show too, right. They were just everywhere. Yeah. They had, they had good. Well, show first, uh-huh. I think, maybe, but yeah. I, I don't the know what too. I like the birds. I, just all around. Yeah. I can't remember which came first. The, the monkeys, the actor, the monkeys, the show. But I mean, yeah, the show did its part in terms of elevating their appeal. Yeah, the the music was good. I like the the use of the. Although I I do sometimes wonder if maybe it went too far with like a it's sort of this introspective like oh yeah we watched all the shows we watched Star Trek and I Dream of Genie and Petticoat Junction and Twilight Zone it's just like okay we get it you had a TV guide in nineteen sixty nine. Um, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I, I think that was more of a description from Jack Black, the narrator, on what all was playing. I don't know if it was just a list of what they're watching. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what that was. But I mean, yeah. it, it, and there was like, when we kind of see the, 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 the like umpteenth famous movie clip, Rotos, although I did find it interesting, the, um, some of the, they mentioned Sound of Music, how the grandma would take them to Sound of Music every week, and he wasn't sure if it was just because Sound of Music ran forever at the theater or if it was <laughs> back every couple of months. But that's an interesting, you know, interesting sort of cultural touchstone back in the day. You were, um, yeah, mindset that some people might not hold or even be aware of. Yeah, you were, you were, um, you were beholden to whatever the theater decided to show. Yeah. Well, and I look at uh, more censorship there too. I like to be a boy named Sue usage and yeah. uh, you know, the one swear at the end, uh, which I think is just another example of, of how it wasn't just good music. It was incorporated well into the plot. Yeah. There was the mention of the, 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 the kind of like weird movies like countdown, which was a, was it a Altman movie? I believe it was um, where they they go to the moon and they find uh someone had beaten them there um is this like kind of weird before before robert altman was like robert altman with nashville and all that um and then there was another one about i can't remember what it was called because i tried looking for it and i couldn't find it but um frozen something fro death frozen death which is about like nazis who froze themselves and there's a scientist who's trying to unfreeze them like mm-hmm. i i wouldn't mind seeing it sounds like a good sounds like a good movie to me but uh i mean i then again i own both uh both editions of dead snow um but i saw so, like some of these cultural touchstones i like some of them i i found them kind of wanting what i one of the things i did like was the you know the mention of 2001 and how you know, oh, yeah, that was that was cool too. That was very cool. Yeah, back in you know '69, it seemed like everything was possible. That you know, by this point in time, we would be going on vacations to the moon. And yeah, well, they mentioned a few times they thought Mars would be yeah would be happening soon, which isn't the case. But what are you going to do? Well, I mean, it's 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 interesting because I mean, it ties back to some of this like ideas of like the culture and um in it there's like very much this message that you know you have this area of houston that was like 
brimming. It was, um, it was like a new kind of America. You had all these exciting things happening. Well, what was driving those exciting things? It wasn't a private interest. It wasn't uh, a commercial interest. It was a government one. The United States government was pouring millions and millions of dollars into this thing called NASA um, <laughs> based in Houston. Of course, that was kind of at the uh, insistence of the vice president of the United States at the time, who was from Texas. Um, so it's almost, and again, I don't, I don't want to assume link letters making any points, but you know, he's kind of making a case like, look at all this great government investment that relate that, you know, created this idyllic childhood I had. <laughs> well, also he might've meant it too, to show this is how it was. Was this better? It's very different now, right? It's all, um, know private companies like spacex right that are dealing with true the uh, all the space journeys i know nasa still does some stuff but they're not they're not going to be the ones first if we ever do land on mars right so i thought this was uh, an important like you were saying look back it's uh, how much faith and how much money the the government gave to it not uh, you know just like elon musk some richies well, I think that's it, is that there's kind of a purity to this that probably won't be there the next time. When a, Mar- when a, when a capsule does land on Mars, it's going to be like the, it's going to be SpaceX or Blue Origin, um, or it's going to be like the the Intel booster rocket. It, like it, They're, they're going to have to sell branding, and the astronauts will probably look like NASCAR drivers with logos all over all over them, and yeah exactly Uh, the first words on mars brought to you by amazon or some ludicrous thing like that it's (laughs) that'd be interesting it's i mean just (laughs) just watch (laughs) we have to commercialize the crap out of everything and (laughs) i i I do wonder if um there is sort of a righteous call on this to the period because there, there is a very what i find interesting is that he chose the sort of the waking life method of, of animating this story. It could have, there are a million ways he could have told this story and to choose the one that is sort of very pure. Um, I think Linkletter has talked about how it, he was inspired by Saturday morning cartoons. It's very bright and distinctive. It's yeah. It's rotoscoped like those other the previous movies he's done, but it feels very much like it could have been hand-drawn animated. Um, so, so there's, there's kind of a purity to it, a purity mm-hmm. of memory, a purity of intent, but there is very much like a feeling too, that he is acknowledging that he's remembering a very good side of something. And maybe he wasn't remembering it all as it happened. And of course there's this, there's a line at the end where he falls asleep as they're walking on the moon. Yeah. Yeah. He's put to bed and his mom says, Oh, well he'll, he'll always remember that he stayed up and watched the whole thing. So there's an acknowledgement that it's memory isn't necessarily um, as as you remembered it. It's a personal experience. And we just got lucky that it's a personal experience of Linkletter. Who's also Mm. a genius when it comes to, I got, you know, I, I would say at least regards to this film when it comes to, uh, you know, sociocultural elements of the past, such as the 60s and 70s. He, he's, we just got, we got lucky with him for doing this, this film and uh, giving a look at Apollo 11. Mm. Yeah, it's, 
<laughs> it's it's interesting that um a movie that's about like a kid having a daydream about like he went to the moon uh while he's watching the moon landing um manages to touch on all of these different things um and and a lot of them like not necessarily good things you know he, he talks a lot about vietnam and uh the cultural upheaval and racial discord and um it, it is kind of a reminder that we look at this time period or certain 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 members of our population look at this time period with a sort of sense of purity and longing but um a reminder too that maybe there's no perfect time period there's always discord somewhere there's always upheaval somewhere um lucky are the ones who are maybe able to put that on the back burner for a while and go outside and and play or hit the arcade or go to astral world or, or wherever that park was um, where they were um, hanging out uh, during the first phase of the moon landing. It's there, there is a lot going on here and it, it's, 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 it's sort of a deceptively simple film, but you can pick on any part of this and unwind something really interesting. Yeah, exactly. It looks very uh, minimal from the outside, but once you watch it and you know, you focus on little small, like I said, sociocultural details, it's you're going to learn a lot and you're going to be able to yeah like you said get engrossed in every every comment every little bit of information and discussion being provided Mm -hmm. so you're you're a link letter um savant would you say yeah yeah, i love that guy so where does this uh where does i would say very very high up i enjoyed it more than um Dazed and confused. Uh, it's although like it, it is confused. It's it's just over promoted, right? And the, the mm. Matthew McConaughey thing. So, but you know that's that's a reason itself. Um, I would say I enjoyed it more than that. I enjoyed it more than a Scanner Darkly, another one that he did. Mm. Um, I would say I enjoyed Waking Life more, but that's just because I, I find lucid dreaming very very interesting uh, topic. Um, I would say it's better than Slacker. I love Slacker, but it's it's dated when it comes to its pretentiousness kind of like i mentioned earlier there's some hit like moon there's some some things that are from back in the more hipstery hipstery time or slacker the more early hipster slacker period um but i would say it's, it's definitely would be in my my top five i would say school of rock more waking life more um but i i would say maybe this equal to boyhood if not more it's if you're a link letter fan it's it's a must um if you like animation too, it's, it's animated, but I love his animated just as much. Mm-hmm. How about uh, for you? Cause you've seen the majority of his works. This one is definitely in the past few years, his best one. It's his best since everybody wants some. And I think this will uh, appeal to a wider audience than everybody wants some. It's a movie you could watch with the family. I think, I don't think there's yeah. anything in there that, you know, you would find objectionable, you know, getting the kids to watch. I mean, it also, I think it teaches that, um, you know there's a kind of universality to it although it's, it's it takes very it takes place at a very specific time in a very specific place it speak it spoke to me as someone who grew up in the 80s um and there was a line he said i'll get I'll, i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna answer your question in a second but he said linkler said it's a portrait of a free-range childhood and um <laughs> You know, I sort of had that childhood too. I remember hopping on my bike and riding to my friend's house without having to worry about some boogeyman in a trench coat, sna- you know, snatching me. But uh, yeah, I, I, think as it's- I 
like since I can remember that, that kind of trench coat guy has always been, yeah, a worry and something I've been taught to, to avoid. But I do remember even that some of the school elements were very similar. I, uh, I had to, you know, stand my head against a wall uh, if I misbehaved in the playground. So I think even, <laughs> even people my age too, will will be able to uh, relate a bit to some, how more liberal certain uh, school and culture actions were back in the day. Yeah, I think it's open, not not talking politics. Small L liberal. Yeah. 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 No, I um, I think it's uh, I don't want to say it is top tier link letter, but I think there is something um, that this sort of speaks to um, the audience a bit more than uh, something like um, even boyhood, which kind of draws attention to itself. The way it was filmed. Um, there is a kind of purity to it, like before sunrise, or mm-hmm. um, even something like bad news bears. Although I, I, I hesitate to use the word purity next to bad news bears, but it- I, lo- I loved it. I like. I think the reviews are kind of fair, but I, as a kid, like I, I loved it, and I had seen the seventies one too. So yeah, so I it's, think it's fair to include it. Yeah, I, I like how there's kind of no famous people here with the exception of Jack Black and I guess Zachary Levi too, that it's it's Yeah, it's, but like not not yeah. when it comes to humans as like a whole, right? I Yeah. yeah it's not like, it's not a star show and it could have it could have easily been that and Yeah, um, I think Chuck just made it what, ninety nine episodes? Ninety one. Oh my god. Not even <laughs> renewed. Well Zachary he was, Le- yeah, he was great in it too. Zachary Zachary Levi has been, uh, made it to superhero status yeah, so anyway um yeah so it's i think it may end up being on the side of one of link letters best but uh we yeah. will have to leave that to the future to decide because this week's show is almost over we hope you liked it and <laughs> if you want to listen to it again you can find it on our website at endcreditsradioshow.com you can download us from the guelph politicast channel every friday at podbeat or through your favorite podcast app at apple stitcher google tutin and spotify while you're on spotify you can find much of the music that you hear on end credits just search for end credits on cfru to find that playlist on spotify you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show and on Twitter at End Credits Radio. Peter, where can people find you out in space on the, well, cyberspace? As per usual, Mr. Towerack on YouTube and Twitter. And I will, <laughs> I will be back on Radio Space tomorrow at 5 p.m. for News and Politics on Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz. In the meantime, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can find my News and Politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And you can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We shall return next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another edition of End Credits. And we will, of course, see you then.